My name is Tammy Holm, and I'm the children's director here, so I usually get to hang out with all the younger folk at K2, but it's an honor to, to be here today and speak on this Palm Sunday. It's the first day of spring, and um, we are actually finishing up our series, A God Who Doesn't Make Sense. And we started this series five weeks ago talking about a miracle Jesus did um, raising Lazarus from the dead. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff if you want to think about it. I mean, usually when I talk, I get to talk to kids and they will believe anything you say usually. So when you're talking about somebody that was dead coming to life, like you get really good feedback and response because that is pretty amazing. And what was so amazing is we saw that God's timing in that miracle did not make sense for the people that witnessed it, for the people that were friends. Because it says in John where we started, and we've been looking all through John about how God didn't make sense. And Jesus showed up and he tipped everybody's thoughts about him, their presumptions and assumptions upside down. And so here his good friend dies and he knew that he was sick. And I thought to myself as thinking about how God really doesn't make sense in my life, how if I would hear someone is sick, I want to go to them right away. But Jesus doesn't work like that, and he just gives a cool, like, we'll go there in a few days. Okay, like you can imagine the reaction of people saying, that doesn't make sense, you can heal him, go there, let's do this, I know the plan. And Lazarus dies. And there's four days of waiting here before Jesus gets there to actually perform the miracle where Lazarus comes back to life. And you can imagine people around him thinking, this does not make sense. Their questions, their fears, their grieving. But Jesus performs this miracle and calls Lazarus out. And that is where it's cool to see these two stories woven together. That in Palm Sunday, as we saw the, the text up here that we are going to be diving into today, saying that many people heard about this and they came to see Jesus because of the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So before we jump in and go into this text, I'd love just to pray for us as we, um, as we look at that today. Why Palm Sunday is significant for us in our hearts as we surrender and look further down the road to be able to see why Jesus was on that road going to the cross to be crucified and resurrected for us. Would you pray with me? God, I want to ask right now that you would speak to every person that's in here no matter where they're at on their journey, uh, whether they are a believer or not, whether they follow Christ or not, God, would you meet us? Just like the people went out to meet you at the roadside because they heard that you did miracles. And they had a plan, and you flipped it upside down and brought something much better. Would you do that for us today as we dive into your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I studied for this message, I looked at the word humility. I always like doing a word search. Obviously, Google has all the answers, right? So I looked at what humility 
meant, I mean, no shocker there. We know what it means to be humble when someone has humility. That's, that's pretty easy, right? But then I thought, well, why does the word humiliation, like, that's got a pretty negative, you know, like you're embarrassed, you're mortified. Like, it's never good. So that's funny that that's the root word. And um, as I saw and kind of saw the correlations to the story where people were left scratching their heads at Jesus riding in on a donkey, um, I thought about a time, so my first real job, and I'll date myself saying it was almost 20 years ago-ish. Um, so my first real job was working in Minnesota at this uh, museum castle, and we, our niche was selling items from Sweden to all the people in Minnesota. So we went on a buying trip with my boss um, to Sweden, and so we had like our first, this is kind of like, I felt like top of the world, like this is my first big job, I can speak Swedish, this is gonna be really fun, having a great first impression. And we get to this big publishing house, and they're like the real deal, like no hello, my name is visitor stickers, like they printed you like a security badge, like a real thing, and I was like, yeah, we get a badge, and you know, I thought I was all that. And the receptionist acted kind of strange. We both showed up, we both spoke Swedish, saying, hi, my name is so-and-so, we're here, we have a meeting with so -and, -so. and she just started acting really like fidgety and awkward, like this is, and I was like, what is the deal? And she passes over our name tags, and I look at my bosses, Stacy Simonette has her title, and then I look at mine, and it says, Tommy Hong. <laughs> and my boss looks at me and is like, Tommy, and I was like, shut up, I have to go around, oh, like you can't just ask him to print you a new one, like these are real, like they're like plastic, they're not just, you can't make a new one. And so we, she's like, just sit over there, he'll be with you in a minute, and we're sitting there, and she is like laughing, like, oh, have fun with this all day long, all day long. Like there goes my like deflated bubble of like, I'm gonna go in there, my first job, and like now I have to like explain, like hi, cover up my name tag and whatever. So we get into our first meeting and it gets better because now the second person that we meet is acting really weird. And, uh, uh, and he's fumbling for words and I'm like, dude, what is the deal? And then he said, I'm sorry, I just have to stop you guys. This is just really, really hard for me because I had this picture that you were coming that like in the email I didn't understand. I thought you, you were two men. English-speaking men. And then I was like, oh, the dude thought that I was an Asian-American businessman, and I have just, like, successfully disappointed his expectation of that first impression. So I feel like context when you're telling a story is good to understand. So we're going to look a little bit at what the context was of the people that were meeting Jesus on Palm Sunday at the road at the road because it didn't make sense and we might not understand all the ways it didn't make sense if we didn't understand what made sense to them. And so this is Passover time and Passover was a festival and it was just, you went to Jerusalem and as I studied this, I mean tens of thousands of people went into Jerusalem. So not just like a few, that's where you went. So all these people, the streets are filled, everybody is going to the temple to celebrate Passover. And that is where you should be, that is the plan, you celebrate. And it says that everyone had started to hear about the miracle that Jesus did. That Lazarus was raised from the dead. So what was trending now in the streets of Jerusalem that day was that. 
hashtag Lazarus or something, I don't know. Like people were talking, it was, it was a big deal. So their picture in their mind when they hear, this is where I should be, but wow, Jesus is doing stuff. He is healing people, this is crazy. And then they hear, he's coming. Of course their mind says, I'm gonna go meet him. This is amazing. The man who raises people from the dead is coming, sure enough. This must be the king. And immediately their picture goes to a king that will come to deliver them from Roman oppression. Makes total sense, right? Just like in our lives when we have a thought, we're like, that makes total sense. God's gonna do it that way for me. I'm praying, that's what I think is gonna happen. It didn't, didn't go down like that. So that is what they expected. And the picture that they had in their mind that when they got to the road where Jesus was gonna show up was a king showing up on a horse because that is what kings did. They showed up on horses, they probably were really beautiful, there probably was a gentle breeze like blowing the king's hair back and there was like a glimmer, like ding! You know, like that, that's what I would picture, like something like picturesque. And that's what they expected. So they get there, and you can imagine, imagine the surprise that they had. Let's read John 12, verse 12. Um, the next day, the people were in Jerusalem. They heard that Jesus was coming there. These were the crowds of people that had come to the Passover festival. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Jesus. They shouted, praise him, welcome. God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless the king of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and rode on it, as the scripture says. And then just pause right there. This is referring to Old Testament Zechariah when it's already been prophesied. Like this is, the king's going to show up on a young donkey, like a baby, baby donkey. Uh, Do not be afraid, people of Zion. Look, your king is coming and he's riding on a young donkey. The followers of Jesus did not understand at the time what was happening. But after he was raised to glory, they understood that this was written about him. Then they remembered that they had done these things for him. These, or sorry, there were many people with Jesus when Lazarus was raised from the dead and told to come out of the tomb. And now they were telling others about what Jesus did. That's why so many people went out to meet him because they had heard about the miraculous sign that he did. And so I know in our day and age, we don't treat royalty or people with stature like they did then. So let's just imagine that the procession is something like, for us, it would be going out and having a giant Macy's Day parade and the motorcade walks in with cute little flags for the country and everyone's excited. Like we don't greet people by like taking yard trimmings from our bushes and waving them around and taking our hoodies and laying them on the ground. Like that's not how we do it. So this was their form of like big welcome for Jesus. Now they expected a horse And we have to understand what they understood of what it meant when they saw over the horizon Jesus show up on a donkey. Like it wasn't a demotion, like he came in like instead of a motorcade, like he comes in on a beater with like backfiring, like and they're like, 
what? Like, that's different. Like, they didn't think that's just different. It actually had a message. Because in that day and age, kings came and went to and from war on a horse. It symbolized what they were about. And it sent a message to everyone around them. And as I research, this is like the cool donkey nugget of the day. Peace makers and peace treaty carriers always rode on donkeys because it said to wherever they were going before they could even open their mouth to say, wait, I come in peace. The fact that they were riding a donkey said everything. It said everything. So you can imagine over the horizon when their eyes are looking a little bit higher because they are expecting someone on a horse. Wah, wah, wah. Like it goes down and they see like somebody's coming on a donkey. And you can imagine that they are already scratching their head as that donkey takes a slow walk down that path. And they are understanding that Jesus had an agenda and what it was was not one of war and struggle. It's said by him sitting on a donkey, I come in peace and I am freeing you from an oppression that is not, it's like, no, 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 no. It's not governing oppression. That's the problem here, people. There is a bigger issue. The sin issue was much bigger and the people didn't recognize their own heart's need for a savior. That at Passover time when they were so used to offering sacrifices to cover their sin, Jesus is saying, no more. Once and for all, I am coming with freedom and peace for you. So it's amazing to think that without one word, Jesus Christ in his humility, because that's what we're talking about today, humility. He had every right to come in with some swagger that day because everybody was talking about what he was doing. Like, I think of my own selfish pride and like, holy cow, like that's the time where you should come in and be like, raise someone from the dead. Like, that's amazing. That is crazy. But... Jesus comes in without a word, without a rally speech and a sermon, looking people in the eye, not looking down from a horse's back, looking down at these people that had all the sin that he was going to take on the cross. He was on a baby donkey, coming in eye to eye with the people in the dust of the road, looking at them with humility, bringing peace to a far greater matter than government oppression, being peace and freedom to the sin that was separating them. And if that isn't a true form of humility, I don't know what is. Leading into, he knew where he was going and there was hardship ahead. But yet he looked with eyes of love at people in the eye becoming grace extended to them right where they were at. And as, as I thought about this, it's such a paradox, and maybe if you're visiting here today or you've never, never even been to a church before, you think, oh, that, that is weird. The paradox of humility and majesty kind of mingled together, it doesn't make sense. And as a Christ follower, 
the thought of humility being the avenue that leads to glory is like so counterintuitive to how our mind thinks like the way to get to glory obviously would be higher, right? But Jesus is saying, no, it's actually lower. And on that path that leads to glory, that humility that leads to glory is paved with all of these stones that don't make any sense whatsoever. And Jesus looks down and sees the cross and knows he is going there to set firm every one of those stones that don't make sense by the death and the resurrection that was happening on the cross because it gave promise to where he was going. And as I thought about what must have been in the the people's head as they wanted, they're waiting for their king in excitement, probably scratching their head too at this point because he's coming on a donkey and they're not understanding what's happening. But man, their thought was, he's going to save the day. And how many times in our own life do we expect that? Do we think, God, you're coming and you're going to save the day. You're going to save the day. And Jesus shows up. He says, I'm not going to save the day. I am going to redeem the day from now to eternity. And in Hebrews, if you want to go to Hebrews 9.26, if Christ had offered himself many times, he would have needed to suffer many times since the time the world was made. He came to offer himself only once. And that once is enough for all time. And he came at a time when the world is ending near and he came to take away all sin by offering himself as a sacrifice. And that faith that it took, that nonsense of that experiencing, that they were praising the king that would come and realizing that he came to lift and break oppression that was far greater than what their mind had planned and thought out that he came not to engage that struggle, but to stop the struggle for all time for those that would believe. And as I was thinking of like this picture of imagine meeting Jesus, like eye to eye meeting. And if you want to imagine, like if you've ever taken a child's chin in your hand when you're going to talk very loving and caring to them and you lift it and you hold it and you want to tell them something precious, I just can get this picture that Jesus holding our hands or our face kind of in his hands and not meeting us with, I told you so. But meeting us with, I love you so because that's what was worth it, knowing that his humility was meeting us in the, I love you so. Because he knew what was down the road. And Jesus set the stage for what was to come, kind of pairing this humility with majesty. And it was counterintuitive for every single person that day. And how many times have God met us in our mess, in our circumstance, in our life, and it's, it does not make sense. Like, it's counterintuitive to us. Like, I want to get there, but surely that is not the way because it doesn't make sense. 
or surely I can't get there without working harder. I have to work harder to get there. And God is saying rest, freedom, peace. It doesn't make sense. So realize that we are, way, we are so much more like those people that were scratching their heads watching Jesus walk to his death in humility than we could ever imagine. And today, just like them, we might have come in to meet Jesus today in a different place, had a different plan, our lives should have looked different, the outcomes should have been different, but our hearts are longing for the freedom, something better. And Jesus clearly came before he even could say a word to say, I come to bring peace to the heart of the matter. Not, not save the day, because that looked what we thought it looked like a good idea. He'd come, overthrow the government, we got it, we are free, it would be better. And Jesus said, no, the heart of the matter is that you are separated from me. And once and for all, I am going to be made the sacrifice for you to have peace and freedom. Hebrews 12, a little bit into verse 1, that's the next scripture here, is we should remove... I love, I love this scripture because it clearly spells out how we live our lives. The things that we know we shouldn't do and we don't want to do, and then the things that we think we have kind of the right to pick or choose if we can keep them. It says we should remove from our lives anything that would slow us down, the sin that so often makes us fall. We must never stop looking to Jesus. He is the leader of our faith. He's the one who makes our faith complete. He suffered death on a cross. He accepted the shame of the cross as if it were nothing because of the joy he could see waiting for him. Imagine that picture of Jesus holding your face and on that path he endured and knew that there was pain ahead but he didn't waver. He counted it as nothing because he could see you on the other side and there was joy in the freedom that would come to you even though it wasn't your plan, even though it looked different than what you had in your head. Jesus looked down at you and said, I love you so. We are going to respond today to that story. That as we have pictured what it must have been like for Jesus going knowingly into his crucifixion and resurrection, that he is meeting the people with eyes of humility, with a heart of love, not looking down, but looking them in the eye and saying, I love you so. I will count it as nothing because there is joy. There is something far better. There is something far greater ahead. And I love a quote by Elizabeth Elliot. And as I was preparing, thinking about it, I just thought, Wow, this is like the time in my life, so about 
four, four years ago, our youngest uh, son, Frank, had been struggling pretty much since about six months old with um, breathing trouble and chronic croup. And through many, many, many tests and many doctor's appointments, we finally got to the root of it and they said he was born with, you know, like a birth defect in his kind of shaping of his airway and fingers crossed he'll grow out of it. And that was in my mind, that's what we we're gonna take to the bank. He's gonna grow out of it. Like that was my plan, that was my hope. And I kinda said, I thought that I had surrendered it to God, like okay, if that, I'm gonna, I, I believe that you're good, you do, you raise people from the dead, you can heal my kid, like, I'll believe. And um, when he couldn't breathe one night and he was blue and needing air, and I'm laying in the ER with him saying, God, really? How many times have something happened and we say, this is not the plan? This is not the plan. And I laid there looking at him and saying, God, I, I trust you. And like almost like, I think I trust you. I think I, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't even know. And I laid there saying, God, I trust you. And I knew that being in the ER, that, that meant we were going down the road of major surgery, which was level to a open heart surgery for this little two and a half year old boy. And I knew life wasn't guaranteed and that outcomes I couldn't pray prayers that put God in a bottle like a genie and out came the answer I wanted. And I said, God, I trust you, but, but I knew I had to put my son down and surrender him. And I said, but I don't trust people. Doctors are people. I trust you. And it was like Jesus cupped my hands and said, can you trust me? And I said, I can trust you. And he said, then I need you to trust people. And we replayed that conversation daily. And I'm telling you, surrendering something that I knew, it's good to love your kid that much. Surely it's good to love your kid that much. And God's saying, surrender it. And this quote by Elizabeth Elliot, I just think is so beautiful and fitting for today. And says, the growth of all living green things wonderfully represents the process of receiving, relinquishing, gaining, and losing, living and dying. The seed falls into the ground, dies as the new shoot springs up. There is no ongoing spiritual life without this process. At the precise point where we refuse, growth stops as if we hold tightly to anything given to us, unwilling to let it go. When the time comes to let it go or unwillingly allow it to be used as the giver means it to be, we stunt the growth of the soul. It is easy to make a mistake here. If God gave it to me, we say, it's mine. I can do with it what I want. No. The truth is, that's 
It's ours to thank him for, ours to offer back to him, ours to relinquish, ours to lose, ours to let go of. And if we want to find our true selves, if we want to find real life, if our hearts be set on glory and humility and Christ meeting us in humility is that avenue to glory and it's this process process of letting go and making space for the king to come in and bring peace and freedom to the things that weigh us down however good or however bad they might be Today we are going to do a response to the story. As you see, we have two paths on, on both sides. And just as that story of Jesus meeting people right where they're at, in the dust and the dirt of the road, we are going to meet Jesus today. And we're going to let there be an exchange. And during the worship... We are going to give you a chance to have an interaction with Jesus. Look him in the eye. And I just think of the picture of when you want to disappear and not engage something very deeply, what do we do nowadays? We just divert our eye contact, look at our phone, somehow we become invisible. I do it. I am guilty. But when you look someone in the eye, there is very little room to escape, isn't there? And it doesn't have to be scary when the eyes are filled with humility and love to us. So you received a bulletin when you, um, a program when you came in and there's a little paper in there with a palm leaf on it. And if you don't have one, Connections team is gonna walk around and pass out pens and more papers. And on the back, it's blank for you to write if you feel like you wanna have some kind of exchange with Jesus. That's personal, it's up to you. But we've made this available for you to be able to have that kind of exchange. And I love this scripture in Galatians, Galatians 5.1. We have freedom now because Christ has made us free, so stand strong in that freedom and don't go back to slavery. As this ongoing process, like that quote said, of relinquishing, letting go, to grow closer to Jesus, the King that is coming and going through pain because he desired for us to have freedom from the things that held us back. That is what we are going to do. We're going to have that exchange. So during worship, at any time, after you've written out your card of what you want to dialogue with Jesus about, you can come and place them on either side on the pass. And don't, like that verse said, don't go back to slavery. Jesus came in humility because he saw you down the road and he found joy in you. And today, let those eyes that say, I love you so, touch you as you are laying something down, making space for Jesus to bring that peace and that freedom that you need. Love to pray for us before we, before we go. Jesus, 
just like that scripture in John said, that they, the people didn't even fully understand what was going on until after. We stand at that place where sometimes when we surrender, we don't fully understand until much later. Would you let that be the case as people are coming and relinquishing, letting go, releasing, surrendering, and walking, following you in the way of humility and those eyes of love? Jesus, I pray that every single person that came would leave lighter, that they would feel your loving glance giving them love that's unconditional. God, I thank you for this opportunity to respond in surrender and thank you for the peace and freedom that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.